let's learn together how we can better take care of, guide, and understand our autistic children. Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. This video in particular is for the parents out there who has an autistic child in their lives that they are raising. The whole theme of parents has been very important to me this past month. I've been noticing a lot of parents reaching out to me, whether it's commenting on my videos or whether it's emailing me personally, asking me for more guidance and more advice on the ways that they could better show up for their autistic child. Although there's no specific audience, I know that's ironic because I make very specific videos, but I don't necessarily make my videos only for autistic people. I feel like I try to make content that is important to me, that I feel personally very passionate about surrounding neurodivergency and surrounding autism in specific. And sometimes that might mean I make a video giving advice to other autistic people out there. And that might mean sometimes as well that I make video giving advice for parents of autistic kids. And hopefully in the future, years from now, when I become a parent myself, I could feel more confident about making videos of what it's like to be an autistic parent, but that won't be for a while. Anyways, I just wanna start off this video by saying that this will be its own series because I have way too many advice and I don't wanna rush through them by any means. I've written them all down and I feel like it's better done if I were to break them up into more digestible pieces because we all know I could ramble on and on about stuff because I love talking through things in detail. Sometimes people love it, sometimes people hate it, but hey, I feel like I myself really like hearing the very detailed aspects of certain types of topics I'm interested in. So. I feel like for those out there who are actually interested in what I have to say will also enjoy the fact that I go into so much detail as well. And I apologize for those out there who just want me to get to the point. This is not the right channel for you. Um, I'm sorry, guy. If you want someone to just keep things concise and have this more commercialized packaged thing, not the channel. There are other channels out there talking about autism that packages it all up in shorter, more concise videos. So feel free to go check them out. <laughs> a little background on me for the parents who are watching or the caretakers who are watching and even for my fellow autistics who are watching. I have a pretty thorough background working with autistic individuals and this was long before I myself was diagnosed. I, for years, used to teach autistic kids and autistic adults how to swim. Later in life, I had found myself in ABA therapy but that didn't last too long because not only did COVID hit, but also I do not think I would have lasted very long in ABA therapy. I might make a separate video about ABA therapy down the line if people even care to want to know about my opinions on ABA therapy, but I intuitively felt at the time a sense of emotional distress having to essentially force autistic kids to operate on a level that is opposite of themselves and almost teaching them to ignore their instincts and ignore their needs, ignore their accommodations in order to come across as more socially acceptable in all these different social settings. Even at the time, I would find myself tearing up at work because I had to at times even ignore an autistic child in their moments of need and in their moments of distress 
in order to ignore the bad behavior to force them to stop having that bad behavior, things like that. Even without realizing it, I feel like my channel has been a safe space for me to take the knowledge that I learned from ABA therapy, which, you know, the skeleton of ABA therapy isn't completely horrible, right? It's kind of breaking down behavior patterns and understanding it. But the difference here is, is I'm taking that information I learned and I'm applying it in a different way. So my goal here is to help other autistic people connect more with their own internal system and find ways to integrate their neurodiversity and integrate their autism in a way that feels good to them and in a way that can still allow them to be effective people in their lives without having to dishonor themselves, numb themselves, and abandon themselves to do so. But with that being said, let's get into some of the advice. All right, so each video I'm going to focus on one primary advice and that is foster, don't force guide, don't guilt, and share, don't shame. In today's video, I'll be focusing primarily on foster, don't force. So you may be familiar with the fact that a lot of autistic people may struggle with understanding what they're going through and how to verbalize that to other people. This can affect them in school settings. This can affect them in social settings. This can affect them at their work. This can even affect them in medical settings as well. And that's something very important to keep in mind, especially when your child is gonna grow up to a point where they're more independent or they're going to be in more settings where they would have to describe what they're going through to others and you may not be around. There's a term called alexithymia and a lot of autistic people struggle with this and it's the inability to recognize or describe one's own emotions. This also correlates with how a lot of autistic people have a hard time understanding what physical sensations they're going through, let alone how to describe that. You know, things like pain levels. And this could also be lightly correlated to selective mutism as well. But a big reason why a lot of autistic people grow more and more into a state of being where they cannot communicate or even understand what we're going through is directly linked to the fact that from birth throughout our lives, we are told by society, we are told by our peers, teachers, bosses, and sometimes even our own parents to keep ignoring our needs and keep ignoring what we're going through in order to come across in a more appropriate way or to function in a more appropriate way. And if you imagine you're constantly being told to not be yourself, to ignore yourself, to be someone else, to do something opposite of how you feel, you learn over time to disconnect from yourself, right? The philosophy behind Foster Don't Force is to help foster your child's inner voice, help foster their connection to themselves so that they can not only understand what they're going through, but they could also eventually understand why they're going through it and understand how to ask other people in their lives and ask the world for what they need. And if you're wondering ways that you could help foster instead of force, these are some of my tips for you guys. All right, so the first very important tip is to honor their sensations. This means if they're feeling overstimulated, if they're going through a shutdown, or if they're having a meltdown, instead of trying to force them out of that state of being that they're already in, 
you learn about what overstimulation looks like for them. You learn about what a shutdown or meltdown looks like for them. You learn about the certain sensory triggers or situational triggers that can send them into these states of being. If you just look at the individual neuron, the nerve cell, um, this is a very, I think, a very interesting study. So on the right, we've got a neuron from a brain uh, from someone who had autism, and on the left, a typical individual. And again, with the naked eye, you should be able to see more of the white dots all along the neuron. And each dot is a location of a dendritic spine, or uh, the location of synapses where the neuron is making connections with its neighbor. So this is suggesting more connectivity between neurons in the autistic brain not just more neurons, but more connections between neurons uh, in autism compared to a typical brain, giving you a flavor of the differences uh, between someone with autism and someone without autism. Things that you could do to help is to simply allow them to be in that state of being and to be with them through it and help them through it. And, you know, helping them through it is going to be different for everyone and every child because everyone has different needs. Sometimes what could be helpful is to ask them what they're feeling and what they're going through and help them figure it out. Sometimes that is not helpful. I've made several videos walking through tips on what to do during shutdowns and meltdowns. So if you haven't given that video a watch yet, please go check those videos out. But there are ways where you can work with your child through these distressing moments, guide them through that tunnel and out on the other end, rather than forcing them to shut themselves off from themselves and from the world around them, because that's not helpful at all either. And understand that these are things that your child isn't choosing to do. They're not choosing to be overstimulated. They're not choosing to have shutdowns or meltdowns. They're not choosing to be in distress. There's a certain time where I feel like humans, we project our own issues that we haven't resolved yet onto other people. And I think oftentimes a lot of people end up projecting so many different types of negative narratives onto autistic kids or autistic adults that have nothing to do with what is actually happening, right? So the other side of autism, which has only just made it into the latest DSM, DSM-5, is sensory issues. Parents and people with autism were telling us for about 40 years that they had sensory issues, but it wasn't part of DSM-3 or 4. It's now part of DSM-5. <sighs> Bless you. And uh, this is really showing you that if you put someone with autism into functional magnetic resonance imaging, you give them headphones whilst they're blindfolded and you simply look at which part of the brain responds when they hear a tone, an unexpected auditory stimulus. You see a greater response in the auditory cortex in people with autism compared to the typical individual, suggesting hypersensitivity. This is obviously a study just in the auditory domain, but you could do the same in the tactile or the visual or the taste uh, uh, channels and still find this hypersensitivity. I feel like sometimes people might think that autistic people are too sensitive, that they're choosing to do this for attention or to be 
comforted by other people or they're being difficult. You know, all of these things when in reality, going through that state of distress is something that we don't want for ourselves either. It's very scary. It's very painful. And so the last thing we need is for our own parents and caretakers to project all of these negative narratives onto us as if we are choosing to experience something like that. We are weak because of it. It would be very, very helpful instead for you to understand and empathize with your child that this is something that is out of their control and they're really, really struggling, that all you can do as the parent is just to be there for them and help them through their moments of distress and not make them feel ashamed of it. Another thing that you could do as a parent is to find other ways to communicate. Now, this is a very, very broad tidbit of advice, right? There's so many different ways to communicate. In general, a lot of people who has an autistic person in their lives can agree that when you are talking to an autistic person, you kind of just are forced into being a more honest and open person because there's all of these social masks and normities that are just like, taken out of the equation. So that they don't tend to participate in games like hide and seek when they're very young, or deception, which typical four-year-olds enjoy, because they're keeping track of what other people know, what other people might want and intend. And instead, children with autism tend to avoid those kinds of interactions, finding them very confusing. Little things like, I ask a lot of why questions. Why did you do this? Why is this normal? And I feel like doing that forces other people to kind of think in a different way, which I think is a beautiful thing. There's moments where as an autistic person or child, talking might be very difficult. Because of this, it's very helpful to find other ways to communicate outside of conversating, whether that is writing things down and having a conversation through that, whether that's learning a little bit of sign language, whether that's using pictures or videos to communicate what you're going through and what your needs are to each other, or having a stuffed animal that has different faces, you know. I feel like American society really promotes and idealizes extroversion. I don't know about other countries because I, I know some of my viewers are from other countries, but in American culture, we are taught from a young age throughout our life that you have to talk, you have to assert yourself. And his book in many ways is a sort of manifesto for this new concept of neurodiversity, which as psychiatrists and clinical psychologists, we should be paying a lot of attention to because it's really the idea that there are many ways for the brain to develop. There isn't a single way to be normal. There are individual differences in the population, which may be there for reasons of natural selection. We're not all made the same, that we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. Um, and autism may be just one example of neurodiversity in the environment. Silberman chose as the front cover design for his book an image of biodiversity, and we're all very familiar with that related concept of how important it is for us to preserve diversity in the Amazon rainforest or elsewhere. And he really argues the same should be true for neurodiversity, that in any classroom of children, you're going to find some, some kids are more verbal, some kids are more spatial, some kids are more sociable, and some kids are more musical. And all of these different brain types, if you like, are part of the diversity that you find in any garden. Uh, so that in any primary school, you should expect two or three kids with autism to be part of that diversity. 
I remember being scrutinized a lot throughout my childhood when I wouldn't join class discussions, when I wouldn't talk, when I wouldn't respond, constantly being forced to have to talk when I really couldn't and when I really didn't want to was a distressing experience, right? And so simply honoring your child when they are feeling nonverbal and finding different ways to communicate because there's times where your child may want to communicate but they just don't want to verbally vocalize things. And so being able to find these different ways to communicate allows for them to still express themselves, but in a way that can still honor what they're going through. So the next thing is to help them find their special interest. This goes for a lot of different things in an autistic person's life, but I find that when you find a way to work with how an autistic person operates naturally and what we are actually interested in, we end up being a lot more effective and productive and all around healthier in our lives when we are able to honor ourselves in that sense. This goes into foster don't force because when you let go of forcing an autistic child to do things that they genuinely don't want to do and to do things in ways that don't make sense to them and you actually allow them to do things in a way that makes sense to them and do the things that they find genuine interest in, they could have a decent shot at living a healthy, productive life. So when we think of autism, we think of it as a child who's quite isolated, trouble making friends, trouble communicating. We tend to focus on the social deficits but we should keep in mind that autism is more complex than that. This 10-year-old child, Max Park, in California, loves the Rubik Cube, so he's fascinated by patterns. He's ranked in the top 100 Rubik Cube players in the world. So whilst he has trouble socializing, he's also showing areas uh, of not just intact ability, but superior ability. So we need to think of both sides of autism when we try and think about um, how a partly genetic condition may have been selected for in evolutionary terms. As a parent, I think it's important for you to continually let go of these moments of forcing them into a box and actually using that as an opportunity for you guys both to explore if this is not working for you. What else do you want to do and how else do you want to do it? Sometimes you don't have that answer. You may not have it and they may not have it. That could be a difficult experience for you as a parent because you may feel this responsibility to teach them and to guide them, right? But I want you guys to take a step back and understand that this experience is also about them teaching you. You may know that you have to get them to a certain point. In order to get to that point, you also have to be open in learning about them, what their interests are, and how to build a life with habits and routines that make sense to them to get to that end point. Figuring out what their preferences are, figuring out what brings them comfort, what they love, what they're passionate about, figuring out what they really do not like and have aversions to. These are all the things that you should be constantly observing in order to understand the ways that you want to continually guide them in their life. Helping them discover their special interests is going to do a lot for them. 
not only are special interests a hobby, but special interests can also bring a deep sense of comfort. Special interests can also be a way for them to have a career eventually. You know, if they really love a certain topic or doing a certain thing, they could actually make use of it. So here's Albert Einstein, and there's a quote from him on the left. If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live believing it is stupid. Einstein, again, the case has been made that he might have had autism. Here's a quote from his, his biography. Uh, I do not socialize because it would distract me from my work. So he was really just focused on his physics. He did quite well. Um, he, he also enjoyed uh, sailing, but he did that alone when he was at Princeton. And he used to enjoy playing the violin. But, um, you know, people weren't his main focus. The, the world of objects and the world of systems and understanding the laws behind uh, the, the physical world, uh, which led him to his discovery of relativity. And so special interest more than anything is important for an autistic child because a lot of neurotypical people can afford to have jobs and do things that they may not be interested in and still be good at it. But I find that for a lot of autistic kids and adults, special interest is a huge gateway to other aspects of their life. If an autistic individual doesn't have a special interest, they're also more likely to not have a job that they could function at or not have a social life. All of these other areas of their life may decrease in quality. And so by all means, continually foster environments in which your child can discover new interests, new hobbies, and really pay attention to the things that they respond well to and be sure to nourish those special interests in positive ways. But anyways, that brings me to the end of this video. Thank you guys for watching and taking the time out to learn more about how you could better guide and be there for your autistic child. To be honest with you, when I was writing all of these down earlier today, I found myself crying because it's such a full circle moment for me to think about the ways in which I wish I could have been raised and to know that there's parents out there who are genuinely trying their hardest to figure out how to show up for their kids. It's just such a healing full circle experience for me. It's very, very cathartic. It gives me hope for all of the autistic kids out there and the futures that they will have. I've seen videos online of autistic kids who have supportive parents and seeing the ways that these kids thrive in their special interests. It's always such an overwhelming healing experience for me to see that because for those out there who relate to me, other adults out there who were later diagnosed and has lived such a long life suppressing the autism, you could sometimes feel like a life was wasted and you wonder what person you could have been if your autism was recognized, validated, and worked with, embraced, nourished, rather than suppressed and shunned. Thank you for raising the next generation of autistic adults. I know having parents like you is going to raise a lot of superhumans, honestly, and I'm so excited to see what they will grow up to be and what they will grow up to do with their lives. And if your child sent you this video and you're the parent, 
I want you to understand that it probably took a lot of bravery for your child to send this video to you. I hope you can watch this with an open heart and an open mind. But other than that, thank you for watching this video. Take care of yourselves. Bye.